Hey guys, this is just a reminder that I am hosting my free live masterclass, Three Sneaky Mistakes That Will Sink Your Etsy Shop and How to Avoid Them for Etsy Success on February 17th at 1 p.m. Eastern. This is a live class, so you will get the chance to ask questions at the end, go through the mistakes that really impact your shop and your business as a whole, both on and off of Etsy and get a little glimpse of my teaching style as well. The doors to scale your sales are also opening at that time with special bonuses, which I will talk about during the end of that class. I hope that you will join me for that live masterclass. The energy of live teaching is so crazy and positive and I just love it. So I hope that you will be there Three Sneaky Mistakes That Will Sink Your Etsy Shop and How to Avoid Them for Etsy Success, February 17th at 1 p.m. You can register at laurenkeplinger.com forward slash masterclass. I'll see you then. Hey friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. My name is Lauren Keplinger, and today on the podcast with me, I have Kim Tranquilly from Find Your Happy Place on Etsy, and I'm really excited to chat with her and have this conversation about how she's built her business and what she's doing. So welcome, Kim. Thanks, Lauren. I'm really excited to be here to talk to you. <laughs> I feel like you've been part of my journey for a long time. <laughs> oh, so nice. So kind of introduce yourself. Tell us about your shop and what you're doing. Just what, you know, kind of your background story. Sure. So I'm Kim and I started Find Your Happy Place, I believe in 2012. So at the time, I was pretty heavy into corporate America, and I needed sort of a, you know, stress reliever on the side. And my mom and I had always done crafts. So we opened an Etsy shop, and I sold cards that I made, and then anything she wanted to sew. So we went all over the board from Raggedy Ann and Andy dolls to Christmas trees, her skirts, to quilted bags, to all over the place. So it was definitely a side hobby, something for us to do on the side. And as you've mentioned before, you couldn't go read blogs and listen to podcasts and take classes and do all this stuff to learn about Etsy anyway. You were just kind of guessing as you go <laughs> and trying to figure Isn't it out. Isn't it so crazy? Like, because I started in 2012 too. So it's like crazy to me to think back on how like solitary it was. Like you're just like working in your yes. house. There's no connection with anybody that was doing anything similar. Like you're just doing your thing by yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Which someday sounds lovely, but it was kind of of isolating. (laughs) And like you've said before, too, I mean, I look back at some of the pictures and listing descriptions and the fact that anyone bought anything is pretty amazing and a testament to how not great (laughs) the internet was back then. Right. It was really cool because, you know, my mom sewed my whole life. She was a stay-at-home mom with my siblings and I, and she always sewed. And we always used to say, Mom, you should sell your stuff. But she never really had an avenue to do that. Mm -hmm. So it was really just kind of a fun project for us to say, oh, look, there's Etsy, a relatively easy way now for her to sell what she was doing and for me to sell my stuff. So if you fast forward through the years, 
I kept working in corporate America. I had my first kid. I went down to four days a week. I had my second kid. I went down to three days a week. <laughs> I had years in there where literally my Etsy sales were zero. Like there was just nothing going on. Other years, it was a lot of my mom's stuff. Like I really wasn't heavy. I was just the do the listings, do the packaging <laughs> kind of stuff for her. And then in 20, let's see, 2019, I quit my job to stay home with my kids. So that took a couple months of quite an adjustment. And it's funny because I was thinking I needed to do something. I didn't know what that was. And honestly, Etsy didn't cross my mind as something that would keep me fulfilled and interesting, which looking back now is silly. So I was trying to adjust to being home with my kids. After Christmas, so now we're into, say, January of 2020, I bought myself a Cricut machine. Up to that point, I had made my cards by hand cutting things. And of course, that's insane and not sustainable. So I bought myself a Cricut and I thought I would just make all the t-shirts and the door hangings and all that kind of stuff, label my water bottles. And then for some reason, I did start using that to make my cards. And by that summer, I actually had somebody contact me through Etsy who was here locally in Pittsburgh and said, I work for a financial advisor. He has a customer appreciation program. We'd love to have a go-to person for our cards. And I said, okay. And I looked him up and he lived three blocks. His office was three blocks from my house. So it was just kind of this like, hmm, okay. And I think that started to give me the confidence that I could do this a little bit more. So that was what, July of 2020, mid-pandemic. We won't talk about that part of it. (laughs) But it started to be something that with my kids home with me. So at that point, they were still preschool age. So they were home with me. It was something that I could do on the side. And then that has kind of snowballed slowly into what I'm doing now. So my shop has, I think it's around 1700 sales. I just looked 250 of them were pre 2019. And the rest have all been in the past, call it 18 months or so. Once I got that snowball rolling with someone locally, and I had some luck with Bosses Day, which is an uh, an October holiday that I made some cards for and started to sell a bunch, and that rolled into the holidays. And of course, at this point, I'm listening to all the podcasts, reading all the, you know, in all the Facebook groups, driving myself crazy (laughs) doing all of this. And then I really connected with you and your message, and I joined your course in January of 2021. And it's been bonkers since then. (laughs) I like that description. (laughs) I can like relate to so many pieces of that because I think when you've been doing it for as long as we have, there are these like, these like phases when you look back, like this was phase one. And then I also had some like dead phases in the middle where I like stopped doing it or I had babies and got busy or whatever. And then also had the same experience. Like I made that decision of like, okay, I'm going to do this now. And then it was like, I think when I look back, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's like 95% of the profit that I've made has been in the past like three or four years (laughs) versus like the nine years that I've been doing it. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, which is great because then you know like what you're doing, you know, to move forward from here. It's like Mm -hmm. smooth sailing. You've done the foundational work that makes it easier. But 
you know, easier is relative, but <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's <laughs> yeah, simpler or something more organized, yeah. more streamlined. How's that? Not easier. It's yes. never easy. So talk to me about kind of like how that business was shifting from sort of this like online craft show or like yard sale-ish thing where it's like, this is just what I happen to have and I'm going to sell it versus like, this is the business that I have and I'm going to have products that I'm selling in my business intentionally. Yeah. It's a crazy mind shift to go through. So I feel like yeah. even when I started making my cards again, it was whatever I liked and wanted to do. And one of my stress relievers was going to the store and finding paper on clearance. And like, that was a bonus to me. Like, here's pretty paper and I love finding it on sale and great. And you bring it home and you make a couple cards and then oops, it sells and you can't reproduce it because the, mm -hmm. you can't go buy the paper again. So right. I kind of learned that was inefficient. <laughs> so I still have some of the remnants of that paper. We'll figure out what to do. But that was one of my first clicks in my head was, okay, be buying things that you can reproduce easily because taking pictures and fixing listings, you know, is a lot of work and really getting that, I think getting that listing history is so important and figuring out how to write those listings and get them to stay there for a while. So I definitely struggle with that because so much of my stuff is seasonal. I mean, you have Christmas cards, you have Mother's Day cards, you have Easter cards. You have, so it's kind of finding that balance of the holidays versus the birthday and the things that can last all year, but getting a listing that gets, you know, I got a bestseller around Mother's Day. Great. Well, that it was good for four days because by the time you get bestseller, the holiday's over and it's like, oh, bummer. <laughs> right. But that was exciting. So part of that was, so one of the shifts was my supplies, figuring out how to get things that were more repeatable. Another thing I really struggled with was my mom and I having our stuff in the same shop. So I always liked it because we did this together and we'd done it together for a long time. But when I went to go and look at my analytics and try to look at any history or data, she got most of the volume. And so to try and pick out which views and visits were mine, was I doing better this month than last month? I couldn't tell. So I believe it was January, some point in January of 2020, I split and made her her own shop and made Find Your Happy Place strictly my cards. And honestly, I was scared that my traffic was going to tank and that because they all looked at her stuff and it, I had the complete opposite effect. It's almost like Etsy knew now what I focused on and <laughs> could promote my shop more for people looking for cards because it made sense. And then her shop is doing just fine, if not better than it was before too, on its own. And that was huge because then I could, like I said, look at the data and history and try and figure out what I could from that. Yeah. But it was a big mental step to do that. <laughs> yeah. It is really hard when you have something like that. And I go through this with, I mean, I went through it personally as well. And I have gone through it with other students who will say like, I have this product or like this part of the business that's bringing in all the traffic, but I don't want to go that direction. Like this was really common, even like last year with masks, people would say, you know, I can't deactivate my masks because that's the only thing people are buying, but right. I don't want to do them anymore. Or I know, you know, at some point, fingers crossed, we won't have that whole situation anymore, you know, so we'll be past that in life. Like it's not a long term. You don't look at like a 10 year trajectory of a shop and say mask sales are going to be where it's at. 
And so people would, you know, say, but I can't deactivate them because they're bringing in all the traffic. And it's like, mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, like I understand that fear because I was there, but it's also like, if you don't want to keep going in that direction at some point, you have to just right. bite the bullet and do it <laughs> yep. because it's just going to continue to be like, that's all that story is always going to be true. Yes. And so you have to just make that period of time and say like, okay, even if my traffic does dip, I mean, I can build it back up from there, but it, if it's bringing in, you know, through products you don't want to keep carrying, then it's not real traffic that you want anyway. Not that your yours was like yes. a little bit different because it was like not traffic that you didn't yeah. want, but like in order to have a business. And I never really thought about that with what you were saying about looking at the analytics, but it would be really difficult to mm-hmm. even know what was yeah, you can't really first it out. Yeah. Yeah. That would make it challenging. I mean, you could look listing by listing, but that, yeah, it didn't help. <laughs> yeah. And I've also had that experience with the like individual, you know, going to Joanne's and buying fabric that I liked. And then, you know, like you go back three days later and it's gone and you can't get it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge shift to really be not only just willing to not jump on like every single trend, but also to think in that mm-hmm. sort of like forward thinking, you know, how do I simplify this so that it's not such a wide variety of things that can't be replicated? Right. Yeah. So simplifying was absolutely huge. The next step then, and you can't do it until you're in it and you have the confidence is the buying in bulk. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started I'd find my cards at Joanne and when they were on sale and I had the coupons, I was going to the three Joannes in my area and sending my husband to one on his lunch break and, you know, getting all the cards I could. And to me, that was, I'm buying in bulk and I'm getting a good deal because to truly buy in bulk, I had to buy like 2000 cards at a time. And I thought, <laughs> huh, no way, <laughs> you know, but as you start building momentum and doing it, then you make those next steps in some of your supplies and things. And I just, honestly, I feel like I'm a procurement department half the time, even just figuring out where to buy things and how to buy them. And when you hit the next level, how much can I really buy at one time to save, but know that I'll use it? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't really think that ever goes away. You know, I mean, even like big box stores have sales for inventory that they can't get rid of. I agree with you. I think, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing that. And I think that, I mean, one thing that I think is undervalued with people is the the time that you're spending doing that, yes. you know, when you're having to drive all over town and stuff versus like ordering from wholesale, that's going to show up at your doorstep. Yeah. But also, you know, a lot of times people will go the opposite extreme and they'll want to jump immediately into like, how do I get my product costs down? And I agree with you that like, you kind of have to be in the middle of it before you really want to take that step because it is a risk. I mean, not everything is going to sell no matter how much you like it or no matter how hard you work on your SEO or whatever. There's always going to be products that, you know, don't take off for whatever reason. Oh yeah. It's impossible to guess. (laughs) Yeah, I find it challenging too. You can't. I still can't. I'll make something and it'll be my favorite and I list it and it's crickets. And then <laughs> I list something else and I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And there are the cha-chings. So even after eight, nine, 10 years, whatever this is now, I can't guess. 
Yeah, I find that really interesting because I've had the same experience where I'm like, this is it. Like, this is the best thing I've ever made. It's adorable. It's amazing. Everyone's going (laughs) to love it. And then I'm not. I'm apparently the one that loves it the most. (laughs) Yes. But I do think that that, you know, like I have time. I jumped into wholesale buying. And I mean, I'm a big fan of wholesale buying. And I think that that is the next step in order to get those product costs down. But I've talked a lot about my basement inventory that just, you know, sits there and like things that I jumped into wholesale buying that yeah. perhaps I should have paid a little bit more and ordered smaller quantities. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oops. Yes. I definitely stop myself sometimes there too. And it can be so easy to jump into different things and then say, sure, this will work. And yeah, one thing I've definitely outgrown my house or the space that I have in my house <laughs> Is definitely, I had to rearrange it several times in the past year and a half, just trying to make myself more efficient. And as you buy in bulk, you've got a lot more stuff to store, but I still want it where I can see it. So I know how much I have and if I need to order more. And Right. Yeah. So what does that look like now in terms of planning for you? Because I know for me, and I would imagine this is even more so for you being so seasonal, like your that organization has to be pretty on point, I would think in terms of always looking forward to that next, like the next holiday or the next season. Yes. And only this year can I say that I maybe almost did it a little bit right. So <laughs> last year for sure. I mean, part of it is I struggle to get in the mood or get inspired for Mother's Day until three weeks before Mother's Day. Well, guess what? You can't make a card and list it and expect to sell it then, right? So I'm excited for next year in the sense that I had a full solid year this year of being dedicated to that stuff. So some of those that didn't quite make it, I mean, I couldn't believe I sold a Valentine's Day card like a week after Christmas. I was like, whoa, I'm still recovering from Christmas here. What do you mean we're already Mm -hmm. thinking about Valentine's Day? So I really pushed myself this year to do some Christmas things in July which I'm not that type of person, but to design and get in that mode and make Christmas things, I had to do it in July. And uh, that has helped because things are already, you know, doing well, but it's, it's a tough mindset to think that far ahead. But like I said, I'm excited for next year that I at least have a base. I have cards that I can reproduce. And then if I want to add to the line and change things, you know, I can do so hopefully ahead of time. Yeah. You're making a really good point there, like in talking about this sort of like reproducible model of having products Mm -hmm. for that, like it also makes it so much easier seasonally. You're not starting like from square one every single season. (laughs) Exactly. You know, if you run into Valentine's Day this year and you're like, "Ugh, I don't feel like doing Valentine's Day, you still have Mm -hmm. the stuff from last year that, you know, you can add to it if you want to, but you don't have to, you could just run the same things this year. Exactly. Yeah. One other lesson that's come out of the whole thing is, you know, I was making pretty detailed cards that I thought were beautiful and skillful and things that other people wouldn't make themselves. And then I got somehow introduced into a couple Facebook vendor groups, I think they call them. So it's not a specific group to any one topic. But it's a lot. It's almost like a craft show online. So they'll last for five days, 10 days, something like that. They often have a lot of the MLM type 
companies in them. So you'll have your Mary Kay and your Tupperware and your LuLaRoe and those kinds of sellers. And then they'll also let handmade sellers in like myself. Like I said, I'm not sure I even remember how I got into this, but I did so. And it was a very interesting experience because it taught me a lot about selling my stuff. And it also gave me an audience to give me feedback because just selling on Etsy, other than the reviews, since I don't sell in person at craft shows and definitely haven't during the last you know year and a half, I wasn't getting any feedback. And one of the first things I did when I went to sell in one of those was I thought, what would these people buy? Well, they're all selling. The vendors are there. They all sell their own stuff. I wonder if they would use thank you cards to send to their customers. So I looked up who was there and what companies they worked for. And I designed some thank you card sets, you know, like with an apron for Pampered Chef and with some paw prints for an animal company they did. And that was really great. And what was interesting is they were relatively simple cards. So they didn't cost as much, but they were so easy to make. And that got me down this whole line of blank note cards, just with some pretty paper on it and things that I don't think are that complex or complicated to do, but people buy them and they use them and they want them. And so that was a really great lesson in finding your customer, listening to them and making what they want. And in fact, it's easier and much more profitable to me than what the more complicated things that I was doing before. Yeah. I think that that like you kind of have like glossed over that as if that is like a step-by-step that everybody would go through. But uh, I think that it's important to like draw attention to the thought process and the strategy there. Like you could have just gone onto that group and been like, here's the stuff I have. Why aren't you guys buying it? But to say, you know, an apron for Pamper Chef, like that allows that person to look at that product and be like, oh my gosh, that's perfect for me. You know, which is such a huge part of selling and a huge part of having somebody sort of buy into the product that you're offering them is to be able to identify themselves in that place and so, but you're, but it wasn't so specific that it could only be used for that one person. Right. You know, it didn't say like Pamper Jeff on it. <laughs> right. You know, so even if somebody just had like, maybe they had a cake company or something that could be reused or, you know, in a different way, somebody else who saw that design who didn't want an apron could then say like, oh, do you have, you know, do you have such and such that would work better for me or whatever. And I also think the exactly. point that you made about the complexity of it is really key yeah. too. I also had that same experience. And because for so long, like I did so many different things and different colors and different fabrics and like all these different options. And I can remember looking at shops that just did like strictly monograms, no appliques or fabrics or anything and being like, okay, yeah, but like anybody can do that. Like that's, I mean, (laughs) yeah, sure. They have way more sales than me, but like they're not doing anything creative. Like it's so basic. (laughs) But what I had not caught on to yet was they had like processes and streamlined things in a way that I most definitely did not have at that time. (laughs) But like, I felt like if I got rid of those complex things that people wouldn't buy because, I mean, you can get a monogram done anywhere, but that has not been my experience. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I also think some of it is that 
like, for example, in a more complex card, like you understand all the work that goes into it, but somebody that's buying it might not. And so, I mean, maybe they think it, it, right. Right. Like maybe they think it's pretty, but they don't necessarily think it's like 500 times prettier than something that's way easier to make. (laughs) And yet it's taking you, you know, exponentially more time to make it and also more supplies and everything. So it's like, there is going to be a cap on what you can charge, no matter how much time it takes you to make. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So where are you kind of headed from here with your shop now that you have had this whole, you know, every season of a year in and even though it has been a weird 18 months for all of us, but at least you have had that kind of, you know, ability to go through the whole year and know what those trends look like. Where are you going from here? Yeah, that's a great question. So I still have my kids around and this has been, I'm just so happy with what Etsy has been able to do for me because I'm set up on the first floor of my house My kids have as much space, if not more than I do, of their crafting stuff near me. My son just set up his little costs $3 bin and costs $5 bin of the cards he's made and wants to sell. And so I'm just thoroughly enjoying being able to do something at home that fits around my schedule that can involve them. I am a little nervous for the holidays because I do think it has the potential to pick up. And this is where I have Lauren sitting on my shoulder telling me, you can, you know, you need boundaries, to find their time boundaries. for family. And balance. <laughs> yes. yes, boundaries and balance. And I do feel, yeah, and I do feel over the past year and a lot, you know, going through your course and doing things, I feel like I have my hands on the knobs a little bit. So I am in control to turn it down. And I'm not afraid that it won't go back up when I want it to. That's just such a great feeling to get to understand that and feel good about it. Yeah, to be in the mental space of knowing that like, if I need a second, I can take a second. And it's not going to just like make the bottom fall out of everything to disappear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I feel really good about that. However, I just got my first wholesale order this week. I'm going to be in a pop-up shop in a mall for November and December that I need to stock ahead of time, which is interesting because that's, you know, with Etsy, I don't need to be thoroughly stocked ahead of time. (laughs) Yeah. So I have that on top of whatever Etsy's going to bring me for the holiday season. So I plan to be pretty busy, plan to ask my husband to take a couple of his vacation days off to help with the kids <laughs> and see where we go from there. Yeah, that is great. I love everything that you've said here. I think it's like <laughs> such good lessons for people listening and also you know, I'm so glad for you that because I know my kids are a little bit older than yours. But you know, that feeling of being in a place where like the growth begins to kind of be overwhelming. And then you're like, ah, but I don't want to stop it that momentum, you know, and, but then to be able to feel like, no, actually, I can have control over this. And like, it can truly be something that fits in with my life and adds to my life like financially and emotionally and everything, but doesn't like do that to my detriment. Like it's, I haven't created a monster here. I'm still in control of it. Yes. Yeah. That's a really great, a great place to be in. Yeah. And honestly, like that's been your message from the get go. And I think why I connected with you when I was listening to everyone's podcasts, right. And doing that. So one of the beauties of connecting with you and joining the class and I dropped out of all the other Facebook groups 
all the other podcasts. I don't need to. Well, part of it's like, what's the secret, right? You wonder, what am I missing? Where is it? And that can just get so unbelievably overwhelming. But when you settle in and understand there's a process and you go through that process and it works, and then there's you can do the process again because now you're at the next stage <laughs> and you do it again and again. And whether that takes me you know, months or years, doesn't matter. I'm happy with where it is and how it fits in my life. So it's been really yeah. exciting. That's awesome, Kim. Congratulations. Thank you. So if people want to find you online, check out your shop and connect with you and get themselves some cards, where can they find you? Okay, so when Kim and I originally recorded this episode, she gave the name of her shop, which has since changed. So she emailed me recently and asked me if I could update it. So that is why I'm cutting in here to give you the address for her new shop if you want to connect with her. It is Sunny Paper Studio, and on Etsy, it's The Sunny Paper Studio. So if you want to check out her shop, see what she's got going on and connect with her in any way, you can find her at the Sunny Paper Studio. That's all for today. I hope you all will join me in that live masterclass. Just a reminder to register. It is happening February 17th at 1 p.m. Three sneaky mistakes that will sink your Etsy shop and how to avoid them for Etsy success. LaurenKeplinger.com forward slash masterclass. Again, that is February 17th at 1 p.m. Eastern. LaurenKeplinger.com forward slash masterclass. I will see you there.